confusion. The International Science Radio Show. We have a bouncer and the doors of perception. <laughs> the good, the bad, the ugly. It gets pretty exciting. The myths, the truths. Toxicology. Astro-seismology. Magnetism. The dark side. Genetically engineered potatoes. Planetoid. Planetoid. I love that word. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to Diffusion. Sit back and relax while we scan your brain for weird and wonderful science. I'm Ian Wolfe. In this episode, we look at the legal troubles of the Internet Archive. But first, here's news of Julian Assange. For Assange? Julian Assange is a political prisoner who blew the whistle on the murder of unarmed civilians, including children, by American soldiers in Afghanistan. He faces 175 years of torture in US maximum security prisons. Australian Prime Minister Anthony Albanese has finally bothered to actually ask the American government to drop its charges against Julian Assange so that he can be released because nothing is served from the ongoing incarceration of Julian Assange, and this has gone on for too long. Enough is enough. The Prime Minister had claimed last year that he'd asked the American government to drop charges against Julian Assange, but a Freedom of Information request in January 2023 showed that this simply wasn't true. This time, he said it in front of a US Secretary of State, Antony Blinken, and on the record, in front of TV cameras and microphones, which prompted a public response. Secretary Blinken instantly refused the request on the grounds that Mr Assange is accused of very serious criminal conduct, endangering lives. Too bad that when questioned in court, the US military have already admitted that they were unable to name a single person who was endangered by Mr Assange's work. The only person heard has been Mr Assange himself, by the US, UK and Australian governments. Julian Assange is accused of publishing a trove of US secret diplomatic cables that were actually first published by German hacker Daniel Domscheit-Berg in an encrypted form on the web, and then made available to anyone in the world when Guardian writer David Lee published the password to decrypt them. If this case was genuinely about this matter, then these two men would be in custody. The German magazine Der Spiegel published instructions on how to put the two together. The US government was actually warned at length by Julian Assange about the importance of this event, as can be heard in a recording available on YouTube. The various American and British newspapers that also published the material with Mr Assange have yet to be charged. The newspapers may well be after his conviction sets the precedent. The US star witness in the extradition trial, Sigurdur Thordeson, has admitted that he was paid by US authorities to lie against Assange in court. This week, the US ambassador to Australia, Caroline Kennedy, flagged that there would be a way for Mr Assange to plead guilty to lesser charges in a plea deal. But of course, he'd have to come to the US for that to happen. It's a very nasty trick. The ambassador gets to sound reasonable in offering a plea deal, 
while at the same time knows full well that Julian Assange's psychiatrists have testified in his extradition trials in the UK that he's at risk of suicide if he ever sets foot in the US. He cannot and will not volunteer to go to the USA, so the deal is made in bad faith, which is in line with the rest of the US government's handling of the case. Mr Assange was granted asylum in the Ecuador embassy against the very real danger of being sent to the US, where he'd be tortured to death and never allowed to speak to his family or the public again from solitary confinement. The US government illegally spied on him in the Ecuador embassy, including his protected conversations with his lawyers, and stole all his legal papers. Legally, that normally would have been enough in both the US and the UK to kill the case as it has in other whistleblower cases where the US and UK governments have violated people's rights to protected communication with their lawyers. He's simply not safe in the US justice system as a political prisoner. His conviction is virtually guaranteed. Other people have been extradited to the US after plea deals and found that the US bargained in bad faith. They were slammed with the full charges once they were in custody on US soil. In the United Kingdom, where he isn't charged with breaking any UK laws, Mr Assange is being slowly tortured in solitary confinement without proper medical treatment and without any insulation from British winters. He suffered a mini-stroke on camera during questioning and wasn't given any medical help for several hours. United Nations rapporteur Nils Melsner has written an entire book about the way Julian Assange has been illegally tortured by the British authorities. Julian Assange has written books, written and published articles in magazines and newspaper, conducted interviews and edited stories. He's won 24 different international journalism awards. He's a journalist. If Prime Minister Albanese is serious about bringing an end to Julian Assange's incarceration, he should be asking the UK authorities who are currently imprisoning him illegally, not the US government who are openly bargaining in bad faith. Not a crime? In January 2023, commercial artists Sarah Anderson, Kelly McKernan and Carla Orters sued Stability AI, Midjourney and DeviantArt for infringing their copyrights by using their work without permission and that images generated by the Stable Diffusion Midjourney or DeviantArt AI generation systems based on text prompts using their names also violated their copyrights. The US District Judge last week said that he was inclined to dismiss most of the lawsuit, but he would allow them to file a new complaint. The judge went on to say the artist should more clearly state and differentiate their claims against Stability AI, Midjourney and DeviantArt and that they should be able to provide more facts about the alleged copyright infringement because they have access to Stability's relevant source code. It's open source. Otherwise, it seems implausible that their works are involved because the models were trained on 5 billion images. The judge said it was unclear whether the artists were accusing the two companies of infringing copyrights through their use of Stability's model or of training their own systems in some infringing way. The judge said that illustrator Sarah Anderson's claim that Stability directly infringed copyrights that she'd registered in several of her works was likely to survive the company's initial bid to dismiss the lawsuit. 
Of course, this doesn't mean that she'll win. The judge concluded that the artists were unlikely to succeed on their claim that images generated by the systems based on text prompts using their names violated their copyrights. He said, I don't think the claim regarding output images is plausible at the moment because there's no substantial similarity between images created by the artists and the AI systems. The proposed class action is one of several recent lawsuits filed against companies including Microsoft, Meta and OpenAI over content used to train systems in the fast-growing generative AI field. Next up, maybe writers and then the actors. Stable diffusion, it's not a crime Generating art is just prime time AI too, they're not for them We're just creating something new Right and left I'm not hiding, I'm not sly I'm just using data to get by I'm not taking, I'm not thieving I'm just using my neural net Stable diffusion, it's not a crime Generating art, it's just prime time AI too, they're not but then We're just creating something new Right and left Copyright laws, they are not so strict For AI creations, no need to kick We're not infringing, we're not wrong we're just singing a brand new song. So let the models create. Let them be art generated by AI. the future you'll see. It's not a crime, just a way to make art all the time. That was not a crime. Sung, played, and composed. By Dave the Happy Singer with lyrics from me and a little help from ChatGPT. You're listening to Ian Wolf on Diffusion Science Radio. Send emails to science at diffusionradio.com. We're brought to you across Australia on the Community Radio Network and podcast over the internet on www.diffusionradio.com. Stop the music! A disclaimer, I've used the Internet Archive to archive the Diffusion Science Radio podcast since 2005. The Internet Archive is a non-profit digital archive and library freely available online. Since 2006, a team of dedicated librarians, archivists and sound engineers have been running the Great 78 Project to digitise hundreds of thousands of recordings that are stored on shellac resin, an obsolete and very brittle medium. The recordings were all made between 1898 and 1950, 
which is between 125 and 73 years ago. These are not digitally remastered perfect recordings, they keep the scratch and pop sounds that are present in the ageing physical medium. They're archive quality, not commercial quality. Old records scratch easily. The American music industry giants are suing the Internet Archive for half a billion dollars in copyright violations for digitising the old records and making them freely available, in its role as both an archive and a library. The labels claim that the Internet Archive is acting as an illegal online record store, despite not selling any music. The Internet Archive sees the project as preserving generations of music, while the corporations see it as theft of generations of music. I don't think anything should be copyright protected for several generations. American copyright laws only protect music for 70 years after the death of the artist. And music recorded before 1972 had no recording copyright protection at all. However, in 2018, American federal lawmakers passed a retrospective law to extend recording copyright protection to pre-1972 songs, which would last up to 2067, as part of the Music Modernization Act. The lawyers for the music companies named 2,749 sound recording copyrights that the archive allegedly infringed. What could be the intention of the lawmakers to intervene in the law this way except to enrich the giant music companies? No artist or artist family will see a cent of the half a billion dollars the companies are claiming as damages. It's really an effort to close the Internet Archive down. Retrospective laws are inevitably bad. At the very least, it's impossible to obey a law that hasn't been passed yet. For most of the Great 78 project, there was no copyright on the records, and since 2018, the Internet Archive would have been protected as an archive and library. Brewster Kale, digital librarian and founder of the Internet Archive, has stated, When people want to listen to music, they go to Spotify. When people want to study sound recordings, as they were originally created, they go to libraries like the Internet Archive. Both are needed. There shouldn't be a conflict here. The label's lawsuit said the project includes thousands of their copyright-protected recordings, including Bill, including Bing Crosby's White Christmas, which was copyrighted 83 years ago, Chuck Berry's Rollover Beethoven, 67 years ago, and Duke Ellington's It Don't Mean a Thing If It Ain't Got That Swing from 85 years ago. These titles will now go out of copyright in 2044 unless further laws only befitting giant corporations are passed. However, Section 108 of the US Copyright Act gives libraries and archives the right to reproduce works for the purposes of preservation, replacement and research. The lawsuit said the recordings are all available on authorised streaming services and face no danger of being lost, forgotten or destroyed. This is an interesting argument, because streaming movie and TV services like HBO, Netflix, Warner Brothers Discover and Disney have already started taking down titles that have never been released on DVD or Blu-ray, 
meaning that nobody can legally ever watch them again. They take them down to save on licensing fees or for tax write-offs. Torrent services like the Pirate Bay may be the only way for historians and others interested in 21st century culture to see these titles. It's not hard to see the same thing happening to the music streaming platforms. These preservation recordings of old 78 revolutions per minute long play records are used in teaching and research, such as Professor Jason Luther of Rowan University, whose students use the Great 78 collection as the basis for researching and writing podcasts for use in class assignments. While this mode of access is important, usage is tiny. On average, each recording in the collection is only accessed by one researcher per month. This is still too much for the music companies. The corporations aren't just going after the Internet Archive. They've personally named the founder, Brewster Kale, and the sound engineer in charge of the Great 78 Project in the lawsuit. The Internet Archive was founded in 1996 as an ambitious attempt to archive and preserve the World Wide Web. It's grown into a vast library of books, musical recordings, television shows, websites, and more, all digitised and available online, with a mission to provide universal access to all knowledge. All digitised and available online, with a mission to provide universal access to all knowledge. A digital library of Alexandria, which some corporations would like to burn to the ground. If a web page has been taken down, you can go to the Internet Archive's Wayback Machine to find several copies archived at different times. They also have a collection of public domain and Creative Commons radio shows, TV shows, TV news broadcasts, educational films, podcasts and movies. Libraries are defined by collections, services and values. In the Librarian's Book of Lists, George Eberhardt defines libraries as a collection of resources in a variety of formats that's organised by information professionals or other experts who provide convenient physical, digital, bibliographic or intellectual access and offer targeted services and programs with the mission of educating, informing or entertaining a variety of audiences and the goal of stimulating individual learning and advancing society as a whole. The Internet Archive satisfies all of these characteristics. When President Trump's government started wholesale deletion of entire US government websites, the Internet Archive was able to record the website content on the Wayback Machine and preserve the pages offshore. No doubt they made political enemies that way. This music lawsuit is right on the heels of the American book publishing giants suing the Internet Archive in an attempt to outlaw libraries altogether. The Internet Archive purchased or was given paper books and scanned them. Using the same software as libraries all over the world, they made sure that they only loaned out the exact number of books for which they had a physical copy, mostly making the electronic version unavailable until it was returned. You don't get to keep the digital copies of the books. They're encrypted and only able to be read with special software, which deletes them after your loan is over. That way, the publishers and authors lost no more money than they would have if the book was physically loaned out in a physical public library. 
hundreds of other libraries around the world, such as the Boston Public Library, use the same system. The Internet Archive started the controlled digital lending project during the long US lockdown when people couldn't visit their local public libraries or physical bookstores. Under US law, libraries have the right to lend physical books to users because of the first sale doctrine, which gives individuals who own a copyrighted book the right to sell, display or lend that copy as they please. Libraries and archives are also given a special exemption from copyright in Section 108 from the Copyright Act of 1976, which authorises libraries and archives to reproduce and distribute certain copyrighted works without permission on a limited basis for the purposes of preservation, replacement and research. The publishers want libraries to only offer specially licensed electronic copies of books that they sell at much higher prices than they're sold to the public, and with software backdoors that allow the publisher to change the text or even delete the books at will, making them useless for archiving. A lot of print books simply don't have a licensed electronic edition. A 2014 ruling found that fair use covered a massive digital preservation project by Google Books and Hathi Trust, which scanned a vast number of books to create a database with full searchable text from all of the books, before they profited from selling the same books. The Internet Archive digitised over 400,000 books, but the publishers sued over just 127 titles. The Internet Archive broke their rule for the lockdown and loaned those books out more than once. However, more than 300 prominent authors, including Naomi Klein, Neil Gaiman, Abdul Rakib, Chuck Wendig, and Cory Doctorow, signed an open letter asking publishers and trade associations to cease the lawsuit in September 2022. The letter reads in part Libraries are a fundamental collective good. We, the undersigned authors are disheartened by the recent attacks against libraries being made in our name by trade associations such as the American Association of Publishers and the Publishers Association, undermining the traditional rights of libraries to own and preserve books, intimidating libraries with lawsuits and smearing librarians. The letter demands that publishers, distributors and trade associations enshrine the right of libraries to own, preserve and loan books on reasonable terms regardless of format. End lawsuits aimed to intimidate libraries or diminish their role in society. Halt industry-led smear campaigns against librarians. Professor Dan Gilmore from Arizona State University said, Big publishing would outlaw public libraries if it could, or at least make it impossible for libraries to buy and lend books as they've traditionally done, to enormous public benefit. And its campaign against the Internet Archive is a step towards that goal. The judge in this case recently ruled in favour of the publishers, stating an e-book recast from a print book is a paradigmatic example of a derivative work. The Internet Archive have filed an appeal. Internet Archive founder Brewster Kale stated, Libraries are more than the customer service departments for corporate database products. For democracy to thrive at global scale, libraries must be able to sustain their historic role in society, owning, preserving and lending books.
Libraries are under attack at unprecedented scale today, from book bans to defunding to overzealous lawsuits like the one brought against our library. These efforts are cutting off the public's access to truth at a key time in our democracy. We must have strong libraries, which is why we're appealing this decision. At the end of the day, the claims of both the book and music corporations are not about protecting artists, but about ending public libraries and having a greater control over the content they publish than the law has ever granted them. This kind of unchecked corporate control smothers our culture and our democracy. And that's all from us this week on Diffusion. Are you a scientist, artist, biohacker or maker who'd like to be interviewed about your work? Would your company like to sponsor Diffusion? Send your contributions, opinions, helpful suggestions and donations to science at diffusionradio.com. That's science at diffusionradio.com. Please subscribe to the Diffusion Science Radio channel on youtube.com slash c slash diffusionradio and rate the show on iTunes. Tell your friends. Follow me on Twitter at Ian Wolf. The news music was Rhinos Theme by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com. I produce Diffusion, which is broadcast around Australia to 28 stations on the community radio network, including Radio Blue Mountains 89.1 FM in New South Wales, 8 C in Alice Springs and Tennant Creek, 2 MVR in Nambucca Valley, 3 MBR in the Mallee Border Districts of Victoria and South Australia, City Park Radio 7LTN in Launceston, Tasmania, and 2XXFM in Canberra. Diffusion is narrowcast on Indigo FM 88 in northeast Victoria. Diffusion is syndicated globally on astronomy.fm. Subscribe to the podcast on the Diffusion website, www.diffusionradio.com. That's www.diffusionradio.com. And check the website for links, photos and videos about this week's show. If you enjoyed the show, you can explore more than a thousand previous episodes archived on diffusionradio.com, where the shows are labeled by keywords so you can focus in on the stories you want to hear. Make a donation through paypal.me slash ianwolf, or join my patrons at patreon.com slash diffusionradio. I'm Ian Wolf. Join us inside your audio device of choice for more science wondering next week on Diffusion Science Radio. Science is fun. It helps you to learn, to know, and to appreciate. When you study science, you may go on field trips. You discover the marvelous interrelationships between all living things. You learn to read the history of the Earth as it is written in rocks and fossils. You find out what makes things tick. Everything from a molecule to a living organism. In the study of science is found the most useful and satisfying knowledge of man. Knowledge of his physical world, its past, its present, and its future. And in your moments of relaxation, now and in the years to come, you will find the study of science leading you into fascinating pursuits. Photography. Collecting. Why study science? Study science because you will find in the study of science a richer, more rewarding life.